From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are rocking in the land with a guards playoff sweep, some more day drinking with the Cavs, and, oh yeah, the Browns. On the road, we look at week five NFL storylines and check out the next round of the MLB playoffs. Off the field, we get some inspiration as we maybe start pondering 50. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rimbaldo are here. Fellas, how did your cardiac stress test go this weekend? <laughs> Pretty well. Uh, I think since the Guardians uh, gave us a reprieve there, I, I was fully expecting to have a rather rough Sunday cardiovascularly, and and, and I didn't. Uh, the Guardians with that sweep helped me out, and as I've mentioned before, the Browns, uh, the Browns are just not going to, I'm not going to let them do that to me ever, ever, but the guardians would have had they played today. That would have been rough. So thank you guardians. I'm still here. Like I'm still alive. I'm here as well. Uh, Saturday was definitely stressful as was some parts of today, but I survived. Let's get rolling. We'll stay at home and we will start of course with our guardians wild cap recapping the wild card weekend for the Cleveland guardians. Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks, Ohio. Pretty good. Nice should should we bad. keep that? Yeah. Should we keep yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Auto-tune it or don't. Yeah. It, it's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> keep that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Guards weekend was a blast. The Guardians snapped an eight-game playoff losing streak dating back to I don't know when with a series opening win on Friday afternoon and then finished a sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays when Oscar Gonzalez channeled Tony Pena with a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 15th Saturday afternoon. Guards now on their way to the divisional round against the Yankees. Who was better this weekend? Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Emmanuel Classe, or Sam Henches? That's damn near impossible. I would almost lean Sam, but Bieber set the tone and pitched an absolute gem. Uh, and not that really anybody who took the mound over this weekend pitched an absolute gem, but I, I would I would give it to Bieber just because it's game one. Uh, you got to jump out ahead. You knew it was going to be a super tight series, and he pitched a beautiful game. Yeah, that's that's a hard question to answer. Uh, I don't think there is a wrong answer amongst that group, but I would lean towards Beaver too because he's your ace. You have home field advantage in a three-game series, and, and you really need to set the tone in game one. We alluded to the fact that we thought these would be close games. <laughs> they, were, they were closer than close. I mean, I think he gave up three hits, made one one mistake, and at the mo at the time, you're like, oh, God, that might be enough to lose this game. Yeah. Um, but he ended up pitching like seven and two-thirds, eight strikeouts and and handed it over to Classe. That, that was just slammed the door once they got that lead. And, you know, just like from the land predicted, we were going to take both games by way of home run. So we knew that was coming. <laughs> Hard to argue with any of them, but I, I think the one that I was most impressed with over the weekend was Henches to come in and give us three innings at the end of that game. When you kind of felt like, this is it. We've really got nobody else that we can throw out there. We, we need this guy to just keep holding him at bay, holding him at bay, holding him at bay until we can get some sort of lightning in a bottle and score a run. 
and he did it. And in getting out of the 15th when it looked like he wasn't going to be able to hold it anymore, that was awesome. I mean, listen, everybody was great, man. The pitching staff this weekend has been fantastic, but I really loved the effort that he put forward, and he really helped make sure we didn't have to worry about a game three today, and I think that that was huge. Moving on, what was dumber? Cleveland fans at the stadium booing every time the Rays pitchers tried to hold a runner on first, the Rays challenge on the Ramirez home run in game one, or finger numbness. <laughs> what was dumber? Ah, I, it's between the first two. I'm finger numbness. I can't, I can't comment on that. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that was in, in fact happening. And as a pitcher, that's got to be a huge problem. <laughs> I think you need to be able to feel the ball. It seemed like an excuse at the time. I'm going to lean towards the challenge of the home run is as much as booing holding guys on base bothers me. I'm like, all right, have you, have you never seen a baseball game before in your life? Like, what are we doing? But I get it. The fans, the fans are excited. There's 30,000 of them there. They could boo all they want. Uh, I'm going to lean towards the, the review of the home run because I feel like I'm pretty sure that ball left the field of play. And I feel like in that moment, who's looking at whose foot hits a bag, like just it's, it's two runs on the board, no matter what. Yeah. That was one of those calls that I felt like when it went to New York, like they can't possibly overturn this. There's no way because that would absolutely decide the outcome of a game when the ball in fact left the yard. So that, that I think was more dumb. They're all pretty dumb, but it's the, it's the booing of throwing back to first base for me. I understand there's there's not a lot of cheerable moments if you're if you're not a pitching fan in this series, but like it's just it's it's part of it, you know. Like especially if there were more base runners for the Rays, they probably would have stole more bases. You know, our bullpen is they're they're pretty slow to the plate. So for me, it's it's just the booing. I I never understood it 10, 20 years ago, and I didn't understand it yesterday or Friday. It's the booing for me, too. It's like, haven't you seen our team play this year? Uh, we'd love to steal bases. And in a close game like this, we'd love to get a chance to get somebody into scoring position. Of course, he's going to throw over to first base. If he does it like eight times in a row, I think you can boo him. But uh, I guarantee Frank Tursick was not at that stadium <laughs> booing when the throw was made over to first <laughs> yeah. base. He understood what was going on. Other than the two home runs that the Guardians hit, what was the most important thing for them to get those two wins over the weekend? Uh, pitching. I, I, I mean, we, we've talked about it. When, you, when your series ERA is .038, and anybody, like I said, who, who took the mound almost seemed unhittable at times. They're om- like watching these two games. They're like carbon copies, these teams of each other. They have really good pitching. They're not hitting long balls. So you knew this game was going to be super tight. So it was who made the first mistake. For, for basically both games. How could it be anything but the pitching at this point? Like, it has to be that. Pitching is is correct, but I'll, I'll take it a, another step further. I'm going to say the defense as a whole. There were defensive plays that, especially in that 15-inning game, Ramirez had two at third base. We're like, how yeah. did he throw that guy out? I yeah. mean, that would have changed the game. I think a run would have scored on one of them. But, it, but no matter, even if it didn't, those plays kept it a scoreless game. There were plays in the outfield, especially from straw that the defense was just, they just locked him down, which was huge because you were in these one run games both days. So pitching, of course, that's what got you there, but the defense is a close second in my mind. I'm going to go with the pitching still, but more particularly the bullpen depth. We never get through game two without Stefan Morgan, Sandlin, De Los Santos and Henches doing their thing. And the other thing is, is that 
even if they had lost, I, I felt like we were in a pretty good position to have some of those guys still available the next day. Whereas Tampa Bay had to go all the way through to the point where they were running out of starting pitcher for three innings at the end of that game. And, and I really just think that, gosh, that depth that has developed throughout the season in the bullpen has just been fantastic and, and was really important to being able to shut them down when we needed to, to, to steal that game too. But that's it for the wild card series. Next week, we are on to the divisional round for a five game series against Chuck's second favorite team, the New York Yankees. <laughs> Darter for game one. Do you roll Bieber out there on four days rest? Or do you stick with Quantrill because it's his spot? You stick with Quantrill. Uh, I, and I think that's what pretty much has already been decided. And I, I don't blame them. You know, like there's there's a mythology to, um, to what this team does with their starting pitching and their bullpen. Would I, would I feel a little better if this game was at home with, with Cal's record there? Yeah, but... I have no problem with it just stay because then if it comes down to it, right, you would you would probably get Bieber twice with the off day anyway, I think, if it if it went deep into a series. But yeah, I, I don't I don't have I have no issue with with Cal Quantrill pitching game one of the series. I, I think it's fine to go with Quantrill. I think the way the series is scheduled is weird. You've got a, a game on Tuesday in New York and then an off day in between the game, the second game in New York on Thursday. So that means Bieber toes the the mound on on Thursday on normal rest, like normal midseason rest. Yeah, and and then you roll into the games in Cleveland, you know, with with McKenzie, Quantrill, and then Bieber again if it goes five. So you're you're probably better doing that because you don't know how the series is going to go. Rather than force him out there on short rest on Tuesday, let Quantrill take his start, and then you get you get Biebs in that second second game in New York. I agree with using Quantrill on Tuesday. Uh, you know, I think what we have learned in the last like 10 years is that the way pitchers prepare now, it's really hard to throw them out there on short rest. They, they just never perform as well. Keep them on their normal rest. And uh, I don't have any problems with Quantrill starting that game. Confident he will do well. Speaking of doing well, in 2022, the Yankees led the AL in home runs and runs. They were second in OPS. They were also second in team ERA and second in opponent batting average. With that in mind, fellas, series prediction time. What's happening in the divisional round between the Yankees and the Guardians? Man, it was easy for me to say the, the Guardian should win the, the, the Ray series. And I, I can't discount that this team is playing their best baseball right now. Their pitchers are pitching so well right now. And when they needed a long ball to win a game, they got it twice, which is so out of character here. Uh, the problem I have with this series is that one through nine for the Yankees can crank at any point, and they almost have to continue to pitch perfectly. I think the Yankees are just too loaded, even though the Guardians are playing better baseball than they have down the stretch, uh, especially since after the All-Star break. I think it's going to be a closer series, but I still think the Yankees win it. How many games? Shit. That's the five, uh, four. I think it's three, one. Yeah, I think the Yankees win it for all the reasons Chuck brought up. Uh, it, the team is just loaded, and and, you know, Good pitching can negate that offense as long as the pitching is is flawless, right? For seven, eight innings and then turns it over to the bullpen. So I think the Guardians can get one game in there because they keep it low scoring and just get to a point in the game where we get to see Classe trot out there. And, and I like our chances then because that means we're either tied or up, right? I think we get one 
for sure in this series, but I kind of feel like it's going four and we lose it three to one. Uh, but that gives us two home games. So good for the fans. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it, but I agree with you guys. I think this is Yankees in four. I just don't think we can go out and expect our pitchers game in and game out against that lineup to hold them to zero or one run a game. Uh, and I just don't see our offense, uh, especially after the way it looked over the weekend, going out there and scoring three or four runs a game it, it, that I think would be necessary to keep them in it. Fantastic run. Looking forward to the series, man. It's always fun to play the Yankees in the playoffs, but I have a feeling that they are a little bit too loaded for the Guardians in a rebuilding year, mind you, to take them down <laughs> in the playoffs. But let's keep the good times rolling with our day drinking preseason sip of wine and gold previewing the upcoming season for the Cleveland Cavaliers Cavs played a preseason game last week against the 76ers they lost but by all accounts it went pretty good what did you guys think coming out of that game for the Cavs I liked from what I saw and I kind of read about after the fact I, apparently the starting group and that was without that was without Mobley I mean Mobley wasn't even out there right he's he's gone so yeah. the, the starting five I watched most of the first quarter, part of the second quarter, and then I kind of tuned out after that. But the starting five, from an offensive standpoint, was ridiculous. I mean, they were hitting threes all over the place. Um, it looked like this is what we – something look, to look forward to from the offensive side. And, and this was a, a team that was predicated on defense last season, especially in the early part of the season. So I'm hoping they get that defensive mindset back. They trot that out there with guys that can – I mean, one through five can score – uh, that's that was a great I mean it's preseason but at the same time it was good to see the guard play it was unselfish points were being scored from all, from one through five that was great Chuck as your Cavs correspondent my contract <laughs> clearly states I only have to watch a regular and postseason <laughs> games oh wow I didn't read that contract <laughs> I don't even remember writing that contract. I'm glad that Phil has this really covered because to be honest I didn't watch one second of it well I watched End of the first half and about half of the second half. Feel the same way about the the starters and the guys who were in the first half played really well. But I think the thing I took away from it the most is that Evan Mobley's brother, Isaiah, actually looked okay. And he played in the second half, so he's playing against other backups and like young guys and stuff like that. But he was athletic. Uh, he was aggressive on the boards. From what I saw, it's a guy who... You know, maybe he makes a nice backup piece. Uh, maybe he's a guy they can send down to the G League for a year, and we'll see what's there. But uh, there's some talent there for Isaiah. Now, most of the talk through training camp right now has been who's going to fill that small forward spot. We're going to get to that, but not tonight. I was diving into some of the metrics for the Cavs from last season. And during the year last year, the Cavs shot about 35% from three. That had them ranked 16th in the NBA, which doesn't sound too bad, but they finished behind Atlanta, Miami, Philadelphia, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, Boston, and New York. So there are a bunch of Eastern Conference teams that they did not shoot as well as from behind the arc. Last year, Garland was at about 38%, Levert about 31%. Donovan Mitchell, although not with the Cavs, was around 35. Okoro was at 35. And Kevin Pangos was at 23%. While there's plenty of time to talk about figuring out small forward, shouldn't we be concerned that there's a need for improvement from shooting from behind the arc? And where is that improvement going to come from? 
Cavs correspondent, Chuck Rambaldo. Why don't you go first? <laughs> really good question it doesn't concern me like it concerns me the list of those teams other than the knicks because you know that they didn't make the playoffs and every other team did mitchell helps that because there's another option when when he's on the floor with garland and i think there'll be a little bit more open looks for either one of those guys you know like they have a little bit more time to shoot so i'm, I'm not super concerned it's not like they have you know there's no guy who's just a, a d and three guy on this team right i don't i don't think so no but if you have a number of guys who are, are shooting 35% or more, I don't think it's all that terrible. It's not like Craig Hodges is going to, you know, like that guy doesn't exist on this lineup where he's just there to bomb threes all game. Uh, and I don't think that's what this team's kind of built on. You know, they're supposed to play great D and, and get the ball inside. So in just like mid-range, if you told me like everybody's mid-range jumper was 35%, then I'd be a little more worried. I'm perfectly open to there's not a need to improve. If that's the answer, I think they will improve. And I think it's Garland and Mitchell. I, they, in one preseason game, they already shot like 43% from the three point line. They were like nine of their first 10. And those two were nailing them from all over. And I think Chuck's onto something there where when those two are on the floor at the same time, there's a drive, a defense collapses, and there's a kick to the other guy who's wide open for a three. So I think that's what improves it. I don't know that it needs to improve drastically. Uh, because of the way this team plays basketball, they, they're going to score a lot of points with mid-range shots down low, their bigs uh, rebounding and putting balls back up. So I, I do think it improves a little bit. I don't think it needs to improve a ton, though. I don't love the fact that a bunch of teams that we're going to be competing against for playoff spots are shooting better than us from three in today's NBA. Uh, but I actually think the improvement might come from Evan Mobley. Because I think that guy has potential to be a shooter from outside. He's just kind of coming into that part of his game. I expect to see that guy take a leap this year and do that. So we'll see. Hopefully we get to see some improvement from three-point range. Best thing of all is that we're only about 10 days away from the Cavs starting their season, which is fantastic. So with that, fellas, why don't we take our – oh, wait. Why Cleveland Browns? I forgot <laughs> you were there. Welcome to Skid Marks, the brown and orange road to the Super Bowl, our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns. Browns lose another winnable game to the Chargers, fall to two and three. They'll be tied for second in the division. I'm so flummoxed by this team. I'm leaving it up to you guys. Go ahead. You have one minute to rant. I'm going to spend most of this minute talking to our defense. Uh, you're all cut. You're all fucking cut. You can't tackle a running back. You gave up 240 yards of rushing today, something like that. I think that uh, matched the Chargers rushing attack in the first four games of the season combined. I don't understand our defense. That was supposed to be our strength, and it is easily our weakness. I feel bad for our offense. Our offense, I think, is exceeding expectations. They scored four touchdowns today. You, you would think if this offense with Jacoby Brissett scores four touchdowns, we should win the game. The defense is to blame. That and you drafted a kicker in the fourth round and he missed two field goals today. <laughs> That's bullshit. Make one of them. Make one of them. You got drafted. You should make one of those. Both of those field goals were in the closed end of the stadium. Phil Dawson is rolling over in his retirement grave no. as we speak. <laughs> was that less than a minute? I'm done. <laughs> that was more than a minute, but it was actually closer Damn. than I thought you'd be. <laughs> 
it's almost carbon copy what, what Phil has. And I actually, I feel bad for the offense. I wrote that down because there's pressure every single drive for them to produce, to make up for that shitty defense. And I'll shit all over a kicker too. You drafted somebody in the fourth round to make those kicks, not just the 55 yarder, the 45 yarder or the extra points he's missed so far this year. And I get it. Even drafted kickers might be a little shaky early on, but I'm not in Cleveland right now. Or was I today? Phil was. It, this wasn't a November, December game where wind is gusting all over the field and this guy's got to start at 20 yards left to bring it over. But the bottom line is to stay under a minute. The Browns offense is good, but it's held back by bonehead play calling at critical moments. The defense sucks. The special teams suck. And the offense may be unstoppable if Watson comes back to form. Like that may be an unstoppable offense. What I take away from today and from this season to this point is that this team can play with anyone in the NFL, even with a backup quarterback, but we can't beat anybody. We can't win the games, man. Like we're, we're, we're going toe to toe with a really good chargers team who gifted us another possession at the end of the game that all we had to do was go like 15 yards and kick the field goal. And we still looked terrible trying to accomplish that. And I don't get, like what needs to happen for this team that can compete with anybody to actually win some games. Like what the hell is going on here? I just think it's unfair to put it on Brissett. You can't have that guy be the guy you hand the ball to and say, Hey, you have to go win us this game. That's not what he does. He's a really good backup quarterback. He put us in a position to win and he hasn't lost the games but he gets in there when he's got to make a play and he's just he's just not quite up to the task. And that's that's unfortunate to see. Uh, I just don't get it. I am, again, left not understanding the Browns. Anyway, they play next week. Who knows what the hell is going to happen against the Patriots? Why don't we take our first break? We'll come back, <laughs> head out on the road. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and let's start with our NFL Week 5 storylines. And I've been putting a lot of thought into football lately, so I want you guys to tell me if I'm on to something or I'm on something. First one, Russell Wilson, Denver quarterback, should be investigated for financial crimes. Before the season started, he signed a <laughs> five-year, $245 million extension on Thursday night, the Broncos lost the worst football game anybody's watched this season, 12-9 to to the Colts, and Wilson was bad. He threw two picks in the end zone. Am I on something or on to something? I think it's a little bit of both. I think <laughs> I think their, their front office might be on something for giving him that contract. I don't think he's washed, and I know today it, 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 they talked about him playing with a partially torn something or other, and maybe Dr. Phil can, can help us out with ah. that, but... Yes, man. Like, right. Like I, I watched, I sat through that game and I thought the only game I've ever watched that was worse than that was the Browns bills game. Like, I don't know how many years ago that was. It was like six, three. It's a shit show, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say you're on to, you're, you're on to something. It's man. You, that's a shit contract uh, for a guy who, who might be done. Yeah. I think you're on to something. I think that would have been a great contract to give Russell Wilson four years ago. <laughs> that would Denver would have maybe already hoisted the Lombardi had they done that. But uh, 
now, I, man, that is a, that is that could be bad. I agree with Chuck. I don't think he's completely washed. And if he's playing injured, it was his it was a partial tear to his lat on his throwing side. So that basically means you can't throw well. So I don't I don't know where that's going to take him the rest of this uh, the rest of this season. And, and who knows? Like that, there's a lot of gray there, right? A partial tear. Like, all right, is it bad? Is yeah. it not? If it is, if it's a legitimate injury, that's trouble for the Broncos the rest of the way. That's that's like them watching. Baker Mayfield shoulder injury season where you're just like, God, we're never going to, we're never going to know what we could really get out of this guy for the rest of the way. So we'll see. But in terms of the contract, I think you're, you're onto something because he's going to have to really, really make a huge turnaround the rest of this season in the next few years. I would put a partially torn lat in the same category as finger numbness. It's a convenient excuse after you look like garbage (laughs) in a game a couple nights ago. All right, moving on. The NFC North is the Vikings to lose. Am I on something or on to something? I, I think you're on to something again. The, the the Packers lost to the to the Giants today. The Packers, I don't know. I don't know what that team's all about. I don't you hate to see Aaron Rodgers lose like that, though. I know that. I mean, that's just something that really bums you out, right? I, I think you're on to something because the Vikings, they they got a scare today, but they came out ahead, right? Like they ended up winning their game. Like it was a close game down to the end kind of thing. And I think they won in the end. They did. Yep. They have a team that is complete. I mean, they've got a they've got good offensive weapons, a very, you know, not gonna wow you type quarterback, but a good quarterback. He was like 17 of his first 17 in today's game was ridiculous. And their defense is fast. They fly all over the place. So I agree. I think it's their division to lose this year. Pains me to say it because the Lions are sitting at the bottom of that division. <laughs> and I really hope they would make a run this year. But you're you're on this something, man. Minnesota, you know, early on looked really good. Then they laid an egg in a game. But uh, there's too many weapons on that offense. That receiving core is uh, something to be jealous of. Uh, and their defense is good. So, uh, yeah, you're definitely on to something. Vikings are a good football team. I'm officially worried my one and four boogie no more Lions may go five and 12 this year. They got creamed by the Pats and Zappy today. Am I on something or onto something, Chuck? You're onto something here. And this is the time that Coach Campbell uh, needs to bring out more of those sound bites. Like, we're going to bite your kneecaps off. Like, something <laughs> needs to happen here to turn this team around. The offense looked terrible today, and that's been their strength. The defense has always looked terrible, especially when you're giving up almost 30 points to uh, to New England, which really makes me nervous about next week, boys. <laughs> Don't um, even talk about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> as much as it hurts me to say this, like my my favorite team other than Browns going into this season might be uh, might be said and done this early in the year. Yeah, I think you're onto something. My my hopes of our Lions going eight and nine or nine and eight seem to be uh, going by the wayside here. I, to score zero points against the Patriots is is bad. I mean, at least we thought the Lions' offense was exciting and fun to watch. I don't know what happened there. Their defense, they gave up like 170 some yards of rushing to a guy I never heard of, which really makes me uh, nervous for next week (laughs) to line up against Zappy and whoever their running back is who just ran for that many yards. But yeah, I think you're onto something. This team might be a five or six win team. That's too bad. All right. Next one. The Tennessee Titans are taking over the AFC South. They've won three games in a row. They're three and two right now. Their next four games, Colts, Texans, Chiefs, Broncos. No reason they're not six and three after that run. Am I on something or on to something? Geez, I, we're, we're going for the, 
the sweep here. I think you're onto something again. We slept, we've been sleeping on the Titans. And I think Chuck brought it up last week where like we, we, we were sleeping on them and they're always there every year. They're always there. And and now they're putting some wins together in a division that looks with each passing week, just <laughs> terrible, <laughs> like absolutely terrible. Uh, I think Jacksonville threw like 150 picks today. And you know, uh, the, the Colts, at least they got a win on Thursday, but that didn't look good. That doesn't yeah. give you a whole lot of hope for the rest of the season. So yeah, I think you're on to something. I think that the Titans, um, they probably win two or three of those games. You just brought up. You're on a heater, man. You're on to something <laughs> here. I think today too, uh, I didn't see a lot of highlights of that game, but I know Derrick Henry had two touchdowns and basically ran over everyone. And when that's happening, you know, like it takes a lot of pressure off Tannenhill to to be able to throw the ball because he's not that great of a quarterback, but that division is dog shit. So uh, I think the only game they're going to lose there is the Chiefs game. So you're, you're definitely on to something. I know the NFL is weird and anything can happen in these games, but if the Titans have fixed what their problems were, yeah. They're not going to lose to the Colts, the Texans, or the Broncos, and they might give the Chiefs a game. Who knows? But looks like they may be on the way to turning it around. All right, that's enough of am I on to something or am I on something? Man, I'm going to take my three straight wins and head out on a high note. <laughs> so let's play a little fill-in-the-blank. Best wide receiver in the NFL through five weeks. Cooper Cup, 42 receptions, 402 yards. Justin Jefferson. 40 receptions, 547 yards. Stefan Diggs, 39 receptions, 508. Last one, Tyreek Hill, 38 receptions, 524 yards. Or if I'm missing somebody, please feel free to throw them in. I don't know if you're missing anybody. Those are all really good. Cup is the most reliable, and he's always a volume guy. Tyreek Hill's in trouble only because they're now on their third quarterback, and and he's hurt. Um, Not the quarterback, Tyreek Hill. So who knows when Bridgewater or Tua or whoever comes back, but that guy was doing something really special early on. It might be it might be Jefferson. I'm not taking anything away from Diggs, but Josh Allen makes everybody on that receiving core way better. And Diggs is a superstar as it is, but you know, Gabe Davis today had 164 yards or whatever it was on two catches. You know, like I'm glad I stacked those two in DraftKings today. I felt really good about it. Um, but Gerber so, cut him. <laughs> yeah, no. Damn it, man. <laughs> Still been uh, for later in the show. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, but it, it might be Jefferson. You know, it's not like Kirk Cousins, a bad quarterback, but he's not a top fiver. Um, but that, that kid's it's his, what is his third or fourth year? So it might be him. Like it's a great start. Uh, and hopefully he continues because Theon almost was just as good, you know, last year, but not, you know, like not anymore. Jefferson is is definitely the best wide receiver on that team. So uh, early on in the first quarter of the season, I guess I give it to Jefferson. I'm going to go with Jefferson as well. And I, I think Diggs has the better quarterback play just because he's a, he's such a star quarterback, but, but cousins is good. I mean, he's good. He's a, he's in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think what we'll see with Jefferson is uh, as the season goes on, and the weather and those kind of things, I think he's going to have a lot more explosive games and Diggs might not. There might be some games in Buffalo where they've got to, you know, win six to three or something like that. Both are really good options. So I think it's between Diggs and Jefferson. I'll lean towards Jefferson uh, to this point. Yeah. I think we're three for three on this one. I think it's just Jefferson. I think that he's the kind of guy that changes a game all by himself. Uh, and so, yeah, he doesn't need a top tier quarterback to be a top tier receiver he, he can make it happen on his own so I, i'd go with justin jefferson too all right best rookie through week five is new orleans wide receiver chris Olave, 25 receptions 389 yards 
Jacksonville linebacker Devin Lloyd, 49 tackles, six pass deflections, two interceptions. Or Texans running back Damian Pierce, a fourth-round pick. He's got 412 yards rushing. That's third in the NFL. So those three, those, those are all good options, and they're all on kind of bad teams, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so that that's interesting that they're putting up those kind of numbers on on bad teams. I I like Alave. He he looks good, and their their quarterback situation in New Orleans is a is a mess. Um, but he's producing. I, I'll, I'll lean towards Alave. I don't know much about that running back that you mentioned, but that, those are pretty good numbers too on a really bad team. <laughs> he got drafted in the third round. Is that what you said? Fourth. Oh, fourth round. We took a kicker. I was about to say, I know somebody else who's a rookie who got drafted in the fourth round a little farther down yeah. the trough. Uh, anywho, only stats-wise, because it's a bad team, and they they got their first win today, the kid on the Texans, but uh, the defensive numbers are pretty great. It, it, but it might be – I'd like to see Olave with a real quarterback. I know that whole wide receiving core has been decimated. Our boy Landry, out. Um, the other dude, Michael Wright, the kid from, guy from Ohio State, other Ohio yeah. State guy, out. And I think Olave got hurt today too. So yeah, uh, I'd like to see him with a real quarterback, but just basing it off stats alone, it's probably that running back from uh, the Texans. Damian Pierce. I, I think I'm going to go with Devin Lloyd, 49 tackles in five games for a rookie, man. We would love to have that dude playing linebacker for the Browns right now. All right, real fast. Let's go through the AFC North and see where everybody is headed. The Ravens and the Bengals are playing right now. Ravens are up 13, 10 in the fourth next week. The Ravens go on the road to tangle with the unstoppable Giants. Who's winning that game? Keep counting out the Giants. And those guys keep winning somehow. I still think it's the Ravens. The, oh, the Giants can't be for real. So uh, the Ravens will win that game. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens. I think they they finally win a close one here tonight, and they take that momentum and beat the Giants on the road as well. I'm taking the Giants. Bengals. Good for you. <laughs> Currently losing to the Ravens. On the road next week against the Saints. Who's winning that one? The Bengals. Saints are terrible. <laughs> I think maybe the Saints here. Not that they're not terrible, but, you know, when you have a uh, quarterback slash running back slash kicker guy who has four touchdowns today, anything's possible down there. So uh, hopefully we keep as many of these teams in this division close to ours. So I'm going with the, the New Orleans Saints win. Can't in good conscience agree with you. Saints beat them. <laughs> next one the Steelers one and four after playing the Bills I think tougher than anybody thought they would they lost 38 to three today uh, oh boy. <laughs> next next weekend uh Tampa Bay is coming to the Berg who's winning that one our boy Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are winning that one I mean they had, they had trouble with the Falcons today but uh Tom Brady had a, a nice game and, and his receiving core is getting healthier and I watched a lot of that Steeler game uh, uh today and man it hurts that they're this bad like it really hurts my heart uh that I had to watch the Bills fucking stomp them today with a bunch <laughs> of people from Pittsburgh in my house uh, so I believe uh <laughs> so yeah um they're going to lose next week as well Tampa's got that game. All right, that's enough week 5 NFL. Why don't we move on and talk a little bit more Major League Baseball wild card Cardinals, ouch. Blue Jays, oops. Rays, what can you say? Mets, yeesh. Three of these series ended in sweeps. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend? Might have been the Mets for me, just because they played so well for most of the year. 
Uh, and we questioned the Padres a little bit. Uh, we know they made big moves at the deadline, and we know they're one of their best players is uh, on the gas and not not playing. But that's still a really good baseball team. But the Mets looked like the best team in baseball for a good part of this season. Uh, so, hey, thanks for the trade. Thanks for the Mets who are now playing on the Guardians who are playing really well. Uh, and we'll just keep moving on. But, yeah, the Mets, that's the most disappointing thing, I think. Yeah, the Mets, is a, they're definitely a disappointment. I, I think I, I, was a, I was surprised by the Cardinals' loss, though. The Phillies were not a great squad all year and they go into St. Louis and, and just roll over those Cardinals, which surprised me. I, I, I don't know, like we had mentioned in the past, a three game series, we shouldn't be surprised by anything and just thankful that our team won. <laughs> it's the Mets for me. That's a hundred plus win team this season. That's not making it out of the wild card round. Uh, that that's some AL division series. We've already talked about the guardians playing the Yankees, the other series is the Astros and the Mariners. Astros basically in the top five of every offensive and pitching category in the American League this season. The Mariners were not. Who's winning this series? <laughs> I'm going to go with the Astros, even if they don't cheat this time. Yeah, and Mariners have been playing really good baseball, but Astros are a different animal, so definitely them. I think it's Astros, and it might be like three or four games. For them that that one might be over maybe even more quickly than the the guards and the yankees all right on the nl side atlanta braves 101 wins playing the philadelphia phillies 87 wins braves and phillies are both in the top five of basically every nl offensive category braves probably have a bit of an edge with their pitching staff but it's actually probably closer than you think if you looked at the the numbers uh who do you think is winning that series Everything should say the Braves, but man, why not? Why not the Phillies? You didn't expect them to win the first series. They're not a bad team, but they're not a great team. But again, like anything can happen. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take Larry Boa's Phillies. He's still managing them, right? <laughs> he is, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Atlanta here. I think uh, the Braves, unlike the Mets, the Braves had to play a lot of winning baseball to win that division. So in the end of the season, much like our guardians, they just kept winning and winning and winning and they're full of talented players. So they're, they're winning going into this series. I, I feel like they're going to take it. I think I'm going with the Braves too. They're just too good. Uh, they're loaded. They've been here before. I'm, I'm sticking with them. All right. The other series is the Dodgers against the Padres. The Dodgers are the best team in all of baseball by a long shot. During the season, the Dodgers dominated their series with the Padres. The Dodgers were 14-5 and five this year against the Padres. Who's winning this one? The Dodgers. I think the Padres get a game. How about that? They get a game. They get one game and they lose in four, which is okay. That's commendable, right? I mean, that's what the, we predicted the Guardians yeah, would do the sure. same. It's all right. They're without their best player. Dodgers won 110 games. Yeah. You should not pick against them in any series. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think Tommy Lasorda has got his club ready for this series. So, <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. I think the Dodgers uh, can pretty much steamroll their way to the World Series if they want to. Yeah. I think that's probably how it's going to go, too. I heard Kurt Gibson's going to be healthy for yeah, this season. It's going to be good. His playoff run. Yeah. It's, it should be good for the Dodgers. All right, fellas, with that, we are going to close out this segment. We are going to take our final break. We're going to come back, head off the field, and get some inspiration as we approach 50. Ooh. I've been inspired to get another beer after you say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And, gentlemen, I have got great news for all of us. The dream is not dead. Come with me, fellas, <laughs> to North Dakota State College of Science, a small, vocational-minded school in Wapaton, North Dakota, where the school's football team is 4-1 and one and was ranked fourth last season in the National Division Three Junior College rankings. Now, none of that warrants a discussion on off the field on our show. What does warrant discussion is the Wildcats' backup defensive end. Let that sink in for a moment, boys. The Wildcats' D-line is anchored in part by 49-year-old Ray Rochelle. Rochelle is a single dad of adult children, of course. He's an Army veteran. He's also a night shift mechanic at a North Dakota sugar beet factory, a student at NDSCS, and a football player. Rochelle enrolled at the school to get a degree that would help him move into management at the beet factory and found out that he was still as eligible to play football more than 30 years after his last high school game. Now, I'm not even sure where to start with this because I just learned that I might have something called computer elbow from using a mouse too much. <laughs> and this guy is playing football at almost 50 years old. So scale of one to five, one being a toddler experiencing the thumb is a stolen nose trick for the first time, five being the guard sweeping the rays. Remember that? How amazed are you by Ray Rochelle? I don't think you even mentioned that there's a movie and a musical after him, Rochelle Rochelle from <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, anywho, it's got to be a five. What an overachiever. The guy sounds like he has absolutely no free time. At least his kids are grown up. But if you're playing football and you're a mechanic at a beat factory, like third shift and you're going to class, um, what an animal. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. It's five. That's a five only because the scale ends there. I'll, it's a Tom Burke seven is what that is. That is ridiculous that dude is four years older than us and he's playing football i i don't care at what level if i went out in my yard right now and played like touch football i would injure myself for sure um that that's amazing that guy is that's some that's some energy good for good for sweet baby ray or ray ray or whatever rochelle rochelle whatever we're calling this guy he's awesome his day is crazy because he you know he goes to class and then he goes to practice and then he goes to work and then he comes home and he sleeps for a little bit. And then he goes to class and he goes to practice and then he goes to work. And that's, that's ridiculous uh, yeah, to keep no, that up. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At 49, he's getting up two or three times during the night anyway. So he's sleeping for like 10 minutes. True. It's ridiculous. got to be on meth. He must <laughs> be on meth. Like a good, a good cocktail of steroids and methamphetamines <laughs> like this. Yes. Is, don't even try to taint the <laughs> yeah, reputation. I'm sorry, Ray. Of sweet baby you, Ray. We got to get him on the he's... podcast, man. We got to get him on the show. That he's probably he probably has time. <laughs> you know, no, he doesn't. I don't know what he does on Sunday nights. Maybe he has Sunday nights <laughs> off. Fitandwell.com recommends people at 50 integrate swimming, cycling, and brisk walks into their workouts, not tackle football. What are you more likely to add to your fitness regime? Brisk walks. Or full contact football games, Chuck? Full contact football games. I'm not a brisk walker. I'm a runner. <laughs> I'm a jogger. I'm not a swimmer. I sink. I'm like Rocky. I can't swim for shit. Uh, so I guess I guess I better get some pads because it's time to lace them up, boys. I'm getting out there. Uh, how's your bike riding ability? I don't have a bike anymore, so it might be good. I wish I had my Schwinn Predator. I'd bring that back. Woo! Phil, 
what are you thinking about adding to your fitness regimen as you approach 50? I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment. I cannot swim at all either. I, I swim like a rock. I'm not going for a brisk walk. I, I can't do that. I like biking. Biking's okay, but you know what? This sounds like a good way to go out. Give yeah, me man. the pads. Give me a helmet. And I'm going to just leave it all on the field at 50. <laughs> yep. like, I don't, I, like, whatever. Like this, this is the end of me and I'm going out crossing that goal line. Well, I, for one, am going the brisk walk route uh, since I may have hurt my elbow using my mouse. I'm definitely not ready for any kind of football. One of the biggest questions I have that remains unanswered from the story I found about this guy is how his body recovers after a football game because he's getting 15 to 20 snaps a game. So he's playing. It's not like he's just riding the bench. He's playing. So wait a minute. Maybe this is a maybe this is a huge advertisement for the 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 benefit of beets. Maybe he's eating a shit ton of beets. I don't know. It said nothing in there. He works at the beet factory. Well, he couldn't I, I, admit it because he's stealing from the company. <laughs> he's eating beets. I would feel like it's one of those things where if you're working in the beet factory, you're sick of beets. You're not eating. Unless it allows you to play tackle football at the age of 49. <laughs> I guess we need to do a show about beats, but um, what recovery tips do you have at 45 years old that maybe uh, big play Ray can use? Oh, geez. I don't know that I can give this guy any advice. I would imagine he goes from playing a football game to then practicing football throughout the week. Where there's, there's no way like his recover, whatever he's doing. Hey, Ray, don't listen to me, man. Keep doing it. Cause there are times where I have a hard time recovering from like my, my 45 year old workout on a Monday <laughs> and by time Wednesday or Thursday rolls around. So uh, I can't give him any advice other than whatever you're doing. Don't change it. I don't think this guy's like a saint. Like you're saying it's, he's gotta be gassed up on something, man. Stop so it. either well, we have really tore I, this poor guy down. I know how yeah. my body feels at 45 and 49 and he's, he's working day and nights. He's gotta be juiced up on something, man. He's microdosing something. HGH, we should all be on it. I wish. Please. We should all yeah. be on it. Yep. Get us a prescription. All right. All well, right. I was just going to say, like, get as much rest as you can, because that's usually what works best for me. All right. Great Bestlifeonline.com <laughs> recommends the following for a full life at 50. Start a book club. Try a cool haircut. Sorry, Denko. No, it's all right. <laughs> I'll try. Make vegetables non-negotiable in every meal. Beats. Learn to appreciate wine. That's a little bit more like it. But again, bestlifeonline.com is not recommending full contact football <laughs> with 18-year-olds. <laughs> in, in a more serious note, are, are you guys at a point in your lives where you've even considered like what's coming or, or what to expect or where you want to be as 50 is coming around the corner for us? Uh, in less than five years at this point. It's terrifying, man. I just turned 45 in June, and you're already shoving 50 <laughs> down my fucking throat. Uh, I have two very small reminders every day that I need to stay active and healthy and do what I can to make sure I am a very active father to very young. They're still going to be really young when I'm 50. 
<laughs> they're still going to be really young. So that That's the best motivation I have. Like, I've already made friends with vegetables or whatever this website has said. <laughs> uh, I really don't love wine, but okay, I'll have a glass or two. But ultimately, it is do what I can uh, to stay extremely active and continue you know, like to get beat up my body's wrong, but I continue to beat up my body multiple times a week to stay as physically fit as possible. Because I know like I, that's five years from now, I'm, I'm not going to tell, oh, I can't, I can't go outside and throw the ball, son. I can't do it too old. I'm asleep and a lazy boy. Like that's not an option for me. So uh, my biggest, like whatever that website, it should have like, Hey, have young kids. That's, what's going to keep you active up to 50 and beyond. Yeah, I, I agree with Chuck. My kids are a little bit older than his, but at, when I turn 50, my kids will still be in grade school. So um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like yeah. I, I'm going to stay active. I, I work really hard at it currently to, to stay active and it's going to change. I'm going to be leaning more towards the you know, TB12 type workouts as, as we age, but you got to, you got to stay active because I'm going to have young kids. They'll keep me active and I'm not going to be that guy that can't go out there and, and play with my boys just because I'm 50. And, you know, I plan to live to like 110. So 50, what's 50? What's 50? <laughs> oh, man, jeez, <laughs> that queen, that queen chick you were talking about a couple of weeks ago has inspired me. <laughs> if she can do it. I can do it. Well, I guess the only thing I've really done you know, after turning 45 is I've, I've tried to make a, some more conscious effort to realize that my body is no longer 20 or 30 years old, that it's got, you know, a lot of miles on it and it just needs to treat it differently. So it's eating a little bit different, drinking a little bit less, that kind of stuff, just to, you know, remember that I'm, I'm aging. Do we think 50 is really that big a deal anymore? I have a feeling when we met, when we were 15 years old, 50 seemed like an impossible age to ever reach like it just seems so old at that point now we're only five years away and i will say by the way that the last 10 years in my life seem to have run by like i'm i'm aware that the next five years is going to go pretty fast too and 50 is going to come but i don't know that i'm going to feel that old all jokes aside at 50 is 50 the new 40 is it the new 35 what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't I don't think 50 will be all that bad relative to what we might have thought about it when we were teenagers and kids and these kind of things. And here we are staring at it. But the three of us, at least the three of us on the podcast, all right, we're we're doing pretty good for 45. We're in shape. We're staying, we're we're, we're paying attention. We've made changes. We've got young kids or grandkids in your case, girls, whatever. But you know, it's <laughs> again, <laughs> but again, it, it, you're right. Like I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if at 50, I don't feel any different than I did at 40. And I remember at 40 thinking like, oh, I kind of feel like I did when I was 35. So here I am. So, you know, all right, we'll just, we'll just keep moving. But it's it, still 35. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you're right though. You, you've got to, you got to keep your eye on the prize a bit and, and make the necessary changes and make sure like, all right, life is still like, have some fun, man. Like, you know, drink your natty daddies, have your bourbon while you're podcasting, whatever. But, but you know, like you said, Gerbs, like you go out there, you, you're still active, get, get, get a run in, be active, get some exercise in, eat clean, you know, and have fun with your kids. And we'll, I'll be the same at 50 that I am at 45, maybe better, maybe better. I don't know. All right. I like that. What do you think, Chuck? <laughs> maybe on the other side of the spectrum, because <laughs> I still think 50 sounds old, no matter if we're 45 oh, wow. or not. Oh, you know, wow. like that, my perspective is like, you're right. When you were 15, 50 sounded ancient. When I was 25, 50 sounded ancient. And now I'm knocking on the door. It sounds old, but 
I'm hoping with the advances in science and medications that 50, yeah, is probably the new 40 or 35. But what Phil's saying is like the work has to be put in. Like you have to do something uh, to expect your body to, to still react at 50 years old. I don't think any of us are going to run five flat 40s at 50. Maybe Phil will. He's a center fielder still. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, like, we're not jump, unless, unless we start microdosing, give me HGH, man. <laughs> like, let me Stallone myself and we're look like right. I'm great. You know, like, let me get now, into that now stuff. Now you're tearing down Stallone? Big play right No, let me look. No. He's a big proponent of HGH. Like, yeah, oh yeah, dude looks yeah. phenomenal. He's like mid seventies, late seventies. I think that becomes, hopefully, that becomes what's going to happen at some point. That we're gonna we're we're gonna cheat age uh, more than people are right now uh, in the next ten years. I think that's what's going to happen. I hope for my sake that's what's going to happen. But, but yeah, fifty sounds old, man. Like it does. If you think about that, like I, I still look at us sometimes and think we're fucking kids. But we're not. <laughs> like, there's there's gray and white. I'm looking at it. You're looking yeah. at mine. Like we're getting old. Good stuff. <laughs> Fifty seemed old when we were 15. It doesn't seem that fucking old now. It's only five years away, yeah. and I don't feel old. That's the thing is I don't yeah. I don't. I mean, there's plenty of things about me that are old and are evidence of age, uh, and feel old. I don't feel like I'm becoming an old man. I guess is is what it is. But Ray Rochelle. Thanks, buddy, for for keeping it alive and continuing to play real sports when you're 49 years old. That's nuts. But enough ageism. Why don't we talk some House of Dragon? Episode 7 was last week. So, if you had to, which one of your uncles would you choose to marry? Phil? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to answer that. (laughs) Is it weird that one popped into my head right away? I had two. All right, so episode seven, fantastic. Rhaenyra finally gets to marry her uncle. The kids fight. I don't know, a ton of stuff happened in episode seven, almost too much for me. Uh, What are you hoping to see in episode eight, which comes out tonight? Man, episode seven, I rewatched it this morning and it was was a lot. You're right. It was in the, the one scene when they're in in driftmark and they're in the king's hall and you can see they they filmed it so that it was the the two sides staring at each other right like after that was the the greens and the blacks like we've been talking about so what i look forward to in episode 8 is that like i i feel like the the fight is coming i i think we're getting going to get another time jump here i saw the previews for this week and it looks like all the kids are much older now so we're probably getting another i don't know how much of a time jump i don't know if it's 10 years again or not but i, I think we're getting into all right now it's the family war uh for the the control of this this throne and i can't imagine by episode 8 viserys has all all three of his remaining limbs something and he's down to like one or two and slowly <laughs> fading out of the picture here and they're gonna they're gonna fight for that throne so that's what i look forward to this week chuck you're looking forward to seeing the peg leg king <laughs> look that's part it's part of it i'm looking forward to him either accepting reality or dying one of the two like your family's a mess. You can't cover up all these things that have keep happening and pretend they don't exist. You've been doing that for 10 plus years. Either accept what's going on or just get out of the way. And yeah, all your limbs can fall off or you can rot to death. Uh, but but ultimately what I'm looking most forward to is uh, they did a really nice job with the conflict between children 
And now you're going to see that either they're adolescents or they're in their 20s, whatever that is going to be. And you now know this is the theme of the show. Are these children uh, bound by somewhat blood uh, fighting over the same thing? I think it's interesting that, you know, within an episode or two, they go from the kids are all friends. Like they're, they, they like each other, but within this short period of time, they, they take on the dispute of their parents. And so now, even though they used to be friends, now they're thrust into this fight because one of them is going to be the next in line or one of them is going to get killed so that the other one can be next in line. Uh, and it's the start of kind of like the second generation of the fight coming that I think is going to be interesting to see. Getting close, though. Ten episodes. We've got eight, nine, and ten left to go. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of stuff is going to be happening in House of the Dragon in the next couple of weeks. All right. Can't leave the show without hitting the worst fantasy league ever. Gerber trade report. Another unsuccessful week. I went full Targaryen, tried to execute a transaction within the family. I offered Chuck a trade. <laughs> I was going to give him Josh Allen, Jimmy G, Zeke, Zach Ertz, and I would get back David Carr, Josh Herbert, and Joe Mixon. Chuck would also receive a 15-pack of Natty Daddy if Mixon was a top five back at the end of the season. <laughs> oh, that nice. got shot down. And then Chuck tried to out-poop me, which is the That's oldest GM move in the book. He tried not trading true. me four crappy players for one good player. False. Ultimately, that went nowhere. So no, no <laughs> trades completed this week. Who's your MFMVFP for the week? Here we go again, man. I thought... Dalton Schultz is due. He had zero points in this fucking league last week. They're playing the Rams, and somehow this dude for the Cowboys is, is leading them to victory. He's got to rely on Dalton Schultz at some point in this game. Wrong. Again, laid an egg, zero Whoa. points. Uh, so he and me are now bound. That guy's not, even if it's a bye week, he is still, because he might actually score more points in a bye week than he has in the last two. Uh, so it's me and Dalton again, uh, riding this storm out. That's rough, Chuck. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give my, my mofo award to Leonard Fournette somehow amassed 50 points in our fantasy league this week and only rushed for 56 yards. I, I go back to like, how do you, like, if you fall forward, you get 20 points in our league. Like the scoring he must is have scored like three touchdowns. He had the two touchdowns. To he had two touchdowns. He must've caught like 18 passes for one yard yeah. gain or something like that. I don't know, but, but he amassed 50 points and we're pretty sure he's our age. So good for Leonard. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm going with Gabe Davis, same guy from last <laughs> week who I cut after his miserable performance last week. He had 171 yards and two TDs, including like a 98-yard touchdown reception, which was probably worth like 35 points all by itself. So he's out there if anybody wants to pick him up. But uh, Gabe Davis, thanks a lot. Fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole at practice. With that reminder that we have all worked with someone we want to punch in the face, I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh -oh. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are...
off the field. We look at week five NFL storylines and then check out the next round of the MLB playoffs off the field. Oh, that's a typo. Doopy doopy doo. <laughs> How about on the road? That's what we call that second one. He'll read. He'll read anything you type into the <laughs> teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say that, Ron? <laughs> With the poop in your mouth. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm good. All right. <laughs> On the road, we look at week five NFL story. You know, what's funny is that I practice this like, and I actually record it and replay it like three or four times as I'm getting ready for the show. So I read that three or four times, recorded it, listened to it, make sure it sounded all right, and still missed that. Cut, cut, cut. Chuck? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear a thing. Did you say? <laughs> I did. Uh, um, it's your turn. I'm still here. It's like, I'm still best, alive. Best episode ever. everybody keep guys keep freezing sorry keep freezing uh i'll start over i'm i'm still here can you hear me can you hear any of this yeah okay great all right yeah no that was my response too like i'm still here so cardiacly (laughs) oh boy (laughs) this is going to be a long night well I don't think they would get Bieber again because he'll pitch on Thursday and then there'll be games Saturday, Sunday, and Monday if necessary, right? Oh. So he could oh, so come back think... Monday on the same amount of rest that you're asking about right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't have full rest is what I'm right. Is what I'm saying. And right. Um okay. That'll be interesting. I don't know if Savali works in there in some yeah. way. To, to get, because maybe you bring back, you you would, well, no, I guess because you, fucking yeah, I didn't think about this at all. Quantrill in game one, mm-hmm. Bieber in game two on Thursday. 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 McKenzie game three on Friday. Saturday. It's Saturday. On Saturday. So they would have their full rest. Full rest, yep. Quant- yeah. Quantrill on, would Sunday. Quantrill have full rest on Sunday from Tuesday to Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. 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 And so then, yeah, I think you squeeze Bieber and all right. Well, I'm... thank you guys for working through that. With me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to sweep them in three anyway. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we just did the whole show without mentioning that Draymond Green punched Jordan Peel or Jordan Peel. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As long as they don't make Bailey Zappy look like Tom. Tom, uh, that guy looked. He looked all right. Too. He, he, looked okay he to our Lions. Yeah, he <laughs> destroyed the Lions. Killed the Lions. But Jeez. let's not make Bailey Zappy look like Tom Brady, please. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I when I was like, I have a bunch of notes. Like the first note oh, I wrote. Lay, lay it on time. me. I, I really no. didn't want to I ruin blame the you. fun of yeah. the Guardians and the Cavs mm-hmm. by going into yeah. no, this I, game. Was like, I don't like, blame you. Like I, hey, look who it is. <laughs> Oh, right. um, give me like two minutes. Yeah. That's all it's going to take. Is that's just... it? <laughs> wow. All right, Chuck, we can keep talking about this yeah. fucking Browns team. No. 
Yeah, but I was like the note I wrote down when I, they came out their first possession, the second half, they're averaging seven yards a carry, and they open up with an empty set back. I was like, "What are you doing? What What are we doing here, man?" You know, like that. The play calling, I couldn't believe. Like I was ashamed that their their coach coached at John Carroll when he decided not to punt it away. Like they're going to hand the Browns. He, the game. he was the quarterback at UD. He was our quarterback. Uh, was it? I don't know. Yeah, he was he, our quarterback, oh, and then he went and coached at John Carroll afterwards. So I felt some shame uh, in that too. I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. yeah. Just gifted it all they needed was maybe 10 yards they're not going to run the ball and then they they run a, they run a pitch when they were on a fourth and the fourth and one call too like Brissett is a thousand for a thousand on fourth and one sneaks they're going to run a counter like oh my i talked about like some questionable play calling the fourth and one was not a great play call what sucks um, to- no Right, that was terrible. Because and if you're going to run the ball, a counter, line, yeah. line, line up, a guard, line up in the power yeah. eye, man. Yeah. Like if you're not yes. sneaking it, line up yeah. in the power eye. Yeah. Just, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that was it's bad. That, it's that. It's that. Like you want to. You've got your tendency that you sneak Brissette every time, uh, and so you want to go away from that and trick them. But like sneaking Brissette works every time. So every time. Fuck. Every time. Like in, every, the, every the next time. time they stop it, the next time I, they stop it, I will say, okay, maybe next time we got to mix something else in. But until until somebody stops it. So as like, a fan watching that game, had they snuck Brissette on that play and they stopped it, would you have blamed them? No. No. Right. right. No, like that was the right call. That works like every the, time. The, the, yeah. the pitch off tackle to our running back is <laughs> dumb. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that and then like Brissette, man, like coming into the season. But I would talks- say, isn't that the only play call of the game that you really had concerns with? The only other one I, that- I I said to Phil was that the the first series of the second half when they were averaging seven yards a run, they opened up with an empty backfield. Like, okay, yeah, and like what what are we doing here? You know, like and and I can question the entire all the play calls from when they got the ball back that they needed maybe 10 yards that just run well, the, the ball the three throw, times. That's the, yeah, the, just, the just throw to the end zone on that last yeah, waste possession. of a play, right? What the waste fuck of a play. were you yeah. doing? Like you wasted this. a play. They yeah. would have been better off spiking the ball to stop the clock there and then run something now, good after. And that's the thing. Like, um, is that a Stefanski call or does he put a play in and Brissett decides, Hey, I've got a, a one-on-one matchup. I'm going to take a shot at it. Hey, look Hi, at Tammy. this. Hey, Hi, Tammy. guys. Hi. Welcome home. <laughs> What's happening? Thank you. Yeah, welcome home. It's good to see you. Good to see you. How's the baby? She's good. She's Yeah. She's slept a little too much today for my liking, though, which means she's going to be up. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a long day. Oh, man. Later. But other than that, she's been great. She's been good. great. But I'm, I'm going to hijack the show. I'm going to the rest of it. A, yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, this yeah, is awesome. Yeah. yeah it's a new it. segment. Uh, it's called... Um, off the runway and so i thought we would um start with (laughs) uh dopamine dressing and chucky let's start with you uh have you ever heard of dopamine dressing dopamine dressing dressing? dopamine Dopamine typically i stick to either italian or some kind of red wine (laughs) vinaigrette so Um, uh, like uh, unfortunately i haven't (laughs) dopamine dressing is so it's something um it's like a term that started after the pandemic everyone was stuck in like 
like leisure wear, like yoga pants, sweatpants, and no one was traveling. So dopamine is, is dressing in a way that makes you feel good. Um, so a lot of people, like there was a trend, it was, um, look how much you guys care. Look how polite you are. <laughs> we, we talked about this care. last week, MC hammer sitting in his yeah, house in his hammer pants. pants in right. the most comfortable pants of all time. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. dopamine dressing. Like, you, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I, like a lot of women did resort wear, like we weren't, nobody traveled. And so it was actually, it was kind of like, you guys might like it. It was a little risque. It was sort of like bikini, oh. you know, like worked into your outfit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's also like a weird a weird like bright neon colors and like you know whatever makes you happy kind of thing but um wow. so my, my my next question is gonna be to you phil um yeah. um what what is dopamine dressing for you uh not not the bright colors but sweatpants you know and yeah. a, 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 a t-shirt that's so soft that when you hold it up when you before you put it on you could see through it so I've got yeah. a, a ton of those, like see-through t-shirts and sweatpants. That's dopamine yeah. dressing for me. Yeah, that's very similar to to Jason. He um he's got this uh Pink Floyd t-shirt that is almost it's almost like 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 lingerie. Like I can nice. see right through yeah, it. Absolutely. Good <laughs> for very you. sexy. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're welcome. So my, my, my last <laughs> question for this new uh segment. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, who's who's the snazziest dresser out of you boys? Not not just you two, but like out of the group. Hmm. Oh, snazziest dresser. What's the yeah, time who's... frame? Like from when we were in high school or now or well, I didn't know you then, but um, uh, yeah, I guess man, I'll I'll I think on the golf course, it's Jason Gerber. In real life, oh. it's Chuck Rimbaldo. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to yeah. say. Gerbs looks good on a Gerbs. Yeah, he looks good on a golf course. Yeah. He's, he's very handsome. He, yeah. <laughs> see, yes, he is very handsome. I, you know what I'm talking about, you. Oh, uh, God. Who's... I, <laughs> I feel like... Um... I, I feel like Chucky, I feel like you know what's up. I, I was gonna I was gonna say it was oh, toss up between you and um Bonhard. Like Bonhard. Yeah. You know, like he's always like business cash, like yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that, I, that, that, yeah that, I, there's there's no wrong answer there. I think those are all good answers. They're good. Yeah. I, I I think if you're talking about strictly Ohio State wear, Tommy holds <laughs> it down. Like there's That's no right. He's the apex when it comes to okay. that. There, so, yeah. We saw multiple shirts that said Ohio on it last weekend. <laughs> and when you guys his, were together? Is that, his, is that what you're talking about? Pri- yeah, yeah, two weeks yeah. ago. His pride mm-hmm. runneth over. That is for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's very proud. Very good. Well, thanks for letting me hijack and, and for oh, playing Oh, anytime. Good to see you. Should yeah. We should do this every week. This yeah. is fantastic. Hey. We'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. All right. Well, good to see you guys. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Take care. I'm going to go take a step. Hurry up. Turn the camera. (laughs) We can still hear everything. We just can't see it. Yeah, I want to see it if I can hear it. Oh my God. (laughs) What do you mean I'm funny?
funny like the clown here the museum